This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today's conversation is the perfect example of how God can use any story to impact His kingdom. Shadia Harishi's life has been impacted by abortion, date rape, substance abuse, marital abuse, and divorce. But she has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And now she writes Bible studies focused on the messy stories we often read about. Today, you'll hear portions of her story and how the grace of God captured her heart and transformed her life. Before we begin, if you enjoy the show, here are a few ways you can support the production of Grace Enough Podcast. First, you can share the episodes via text message or on social media with your friends and family. Second, when you purchase books, After hearing a conversation on Grace Enough, purchase using the links at graceenoughpodcast.com slash show notes. Those are affiliate links, so I receive a small payout at no cost to you. And lastly, make a donation or become a monthly supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash graceenough. That's buymeacoffee.com slash grace enough. Shadia, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Oh, thank you, Amber, so much for having me. It's a delight. I'm glad that you're here and that um, our common friend, Stephanie Russelli connected us. Uh, That is something. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a nice thing in the podcast world. We become friends and then we end up meeting so many other people as a result of another fellow podcaster introducing us. And um, I just, I love that. Uh, It's quite fun. And so I'm glad she introduced us. Same here. (laughs) Well, something that you have said is that your life and not just said it, it's true. Your life has been filled with some really, really hard and challenging things. And that has led into a passion of yours about writing and sharing Bible studies based on some of the really hard and messy stories of the word. And so as we're going to go into that, I first want you to share some of your hard with us to kind of lay that foundation of where you're coming from uh, when you talk about the word of God. So share as much or as little of your story as you would like. Ah, well, I appreciate that. It's so important, you know, just to be able to share kind of what God put on my heart about these studies. And a lot of it, as you said, comes from my past. Um, My parents each uh, immigrated to this country. They met in New York City and uh and while they were dating um my mom got pregnant and she was uh being pressured to have an abortion by um my grandmother actually you know so right like even before i was born there was already this this turmoil and this sort of um this concept of abortion is is an okay option but my father um he was raised moderate muslim and so they they have strong feelings about that and so he's like no we can't do that let's get married 
And even though my father was raised um, Muslim and my mom was actually raised Lutheran, I never was taught to believe in God. We never went to church. Uh, my parents eventually divorced when my mom remarried and my stepfather uh, is Jewish. <laughs> so another, another, wow. you know, key religion, um, but also just no real faith, you know, right. in very life. cultural. Just Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. You hit on it right away. And so just with that, you know, father figure missing and that not, not close to my stepfather, I, you know, began looking for love in all the wrong faces. I like to mm. say, <laughs> um, my, you know, early years, my early teen years was, you know, I had an abortion by the time I was 15. Mm. Um, I was in nightclubs and doing cocaine and alcohol by the time I was 17. And now did you still live in New York City? At that point, we were in upstate New York. So okay. after my mom remarried, we moved um, upstate New York. So um, Hudson Valley area mm -hmm. for those that might be familiar with that area, but uh, just just making so many, so many wrong choices, you know, and um, slip the date rape drug. I mean, it just just one mess after another. And when I was 17, I kind of I met and moved in with an equally dysfunctional man. And you know, and when mm. you're dysfunctional, you know, you're you find somebody that fits your dysfunction, <laughs> you know, so he's yeah, because it works, you know, in a twisted well, sort and you of don't way. really know anything different. Yes, that's a good point. You know, it's true because you've, you know, that's just become familiar to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I eventually uh, married this man 14 years of an abusive marriage and codependency and he was an alcoholic and just, um, and, you know, just, just, just kind of a toxic mess. And, and so, you know, I think that's part of the reason why um, I know we'll get into it a little bit more later, but you know, why I'm so attracted to these messy stories in the Bible of people who just made ridiculous mistakes or, and, or suffered, you know, by living in a broken world. Yeah. Well, and you've said too, that you didn't open the Bible for the first time until you were 30 years old, or maybe Maybe it was that you didn't begin to really read it until then. I'm not sure. But I appreciate that because so many times the people that I've had on the show, you know, that's not their story. Maybe they have been raised in a Christian home or at least had some familiarity. Yeah. And so share a little bit of that with us. What led you to finally opening the word of God and what were some of those early impacts of doing that? Oh, great question. So, so you were right. I, I, I had never opened the Bible until I was 30. I had never even, I don't even think I had ever held a Bible. Mm. So what was happening, I was still married at the time. And um, we moved to California when I was 30 years old, or about 29 years old, moved to California. And you know, sometimes God makes a big move like that just to kind of shake you up. You know, you're out of your comfort zone. You don't have the same network of support people. And so you can might be more open to, you know, new things. Mm -hmm. And but it wasn't me. The, the curious part is how this started was it was actually my former husband. He got invited by a friend to uh, go to a home Bible study. And, you know, to my shock, he comes home and says, yeah, I think, you know, I, I want us to go to this Bible study on Friday night. And I'm like, we met in a bar. <laughs> like, you want to go to a Bible study? I'm like, where's this coming? I mean, it just, it seemed to come out of nowhere, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, I was married. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll go to this Bible study. And so what struck me very early on was I could tell that there, that these, uh, that the Christians their faith was genuine. Mm. 
And I'd never experienced that before. Like I shared, you know, my mom was raised Lutheran, my father Muslim, my stepfather Jewish. Um, my husband was was actually raised Catholic, but he, you know, he didn't go to church. And then I actually, my best friend back in New York was Buddhist. I was like, I had heard, seen all these religions, never met anybody who had faith. And these people had faith. Mm. Okay, where are they, you know, are they deceived? Is it something they just grew up with? But I didn't sense any of that. You know, it felt like this was a genuine faith. And so I'm kind of a black and white analytical type thinker. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I'm realizing like, well, one of us is wrong. <laughs> you know, Like either they're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and they're all wrong. It almost just sounded too good to be true. Like there was, there was actually a God of the universe who loved us and cared for us, even sent his son to die for us. And um, so that's when I began opening the Bible because in that group, they, you know, they would read the Bible and I began opening the Bible. I didn't understand a lot, but God in his grace Mm -hmm. began opening my eyes. And I just found myself, I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just found myself hungry for God's love, not recognizing until much later that this was actually God wooing me to himself. He takes the initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's where it started. And it changed everything for me. Um, you asked, you know, what impact it had as I, you know, after I became uh, a Christian. Um, so I'm reading the Bible and, you know, they're being witness to us. And I remember at one point, the um, pastor of this small church kind of took me and Joe aside. You know, we didn't realize, by the way, that like we were kind of the project, you know, <laughs> we were the only non-believers in the group, you know, and he had explained what sin was and so forth. And at one point he kind of took me aside and he's like, do you understand Uh, that you're a sinner. And being again, that black and white person, I was like, well, my goodness, I've had an abortion. I've, you know, Mm. slept around. I mean, I was just like, well, yeah. I mean, it was so very clear. That was obvious to me. But I think he was expecting a different answer because he didn't, he, it looked like he was kind of stumbling for his eyes that yeah. you were like, yeah. of course, I'm yeah, I'm like, well, like yeah, dumb that things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think he was used to, you know, only recognizing this later, you know, like, well, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm you right. Know, I'm not that. Yeah, you know, I think that's what he was used to. Um, but I'm very black and white. And I was like, well, that's what sin is. And I'm a sinner, you know. You know, and so now the the question was from for me was if God is real, like is is Jesus God? You know, is this God? Mm-hmm. Um, is this is the Christian faith the real the true the reality of the faith? You know, and so I was reading a bunch of apologetic books because I'm a reader, and then at one point, you know, God really began opening my eyes to the reality of all the things that I had believed. You know, evolution, all the stuff that they teach you in school. I felt very deceived and a little bit angry that I had been lied to. That's how I was feeling. But I wasn't yet convinced that the God of the Bible was the true God. You know, I had read, I was like, okay, there must be a God, you know, everything else I believe made no sense. And then my former husband began to change. Mm. He he was not as abusive. He stopped drinking as much. He was, you know, going to church, you know, and, and I was like, I had been waiting 15 years for this. And I was thinking like, God, you must be real. You know, like this must be true. Like you're changing him. And I've never, I've always wanted this Mm -hmm. to happen, you know? And it was sort of like God used that for my little, you know, visible sign kind of thing. And it was just what it was needed to just bring me to that point where God, okay, I believe you're, you're real. And I want you to come into my life. And I thank you for saving me from myself. And I Mm -hmm. want you to be the Lord of my life. And so God opened my eyes um, immediately and I, and I, and I became a Christian and I, and, I, and man, if I was hungry before, I was even more hungry for him mm. after that. 
But the, the kind of the sad part of this, this, that piece of the story is that my former husband actually fell away within days mm-hmm. or maybe weeks. It was, I, I, I think of the parable of the soils where he was that root that sprung up, you know, yeah. and then quick, there was no root. It was a plant yeah. that sprung up, but there was no root. Got scorched. He, yeah. He just got scorched and he, it wasn't a genuine conversion. And he actually filed for divorce ba- barely mm-hmm. a few months later. God was still, you know, with me. And and I always think it's amazing how God can even use someone's false conversion to do something for his kingdom, because it opened my eyes. Like there, there was still some movement of God, you know, taking place. And God allowed that to just be that little bit of a piece that I needed to see. And he, and then of course he began opening my eyes personally um, to who he was and teaching me how to forgive and uh, just seeing the whole world through new eyes. I'm so grateful that you said that about how God can use even things like a false conversion, because I think we sometimes try to fit things in these neat little packages like, Mm. oh, but God can't use such horrific things. Uh, And and not that's not just a false conversion. I mean, you want to talk about a a current example. Can God save people through this horrible war that's taking place? Right. We have to believe that he, he can, and he does, yes. Yes. or the character of God is not what the Bible says it is, right? Yeah. Because we have to believe that. And then we see it because you're a living example of that. Mm. His arm's not too short to reach anyone. Yes. Amen. You know, and, 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 you know, Ephesians reminds us, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People mm. are not our enemy. They're slaves of the enemy mm. until they come to Christ. I mean, there's yeah. only two sides. Uh, we're either a slave to sin and Satan, or we're a servant. And, you know, I mean, even Paul uses the word slave to God, but it's, it's meant, it's one of those slaves that in the old Testament, like chooses, I want to stay with you forever. You know, it's that aspect. Of yeah. Slavery. It's a, it's more of a covering type freedom. Yes. Um, yes. But there's only two sides, you know, yeah. and, and God's not on, you know, God's for everyone. Everyone's created in his image and, 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 and he loves every soul. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman? Serve in the workplace? Or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, so as someone who has experienced things like marital abuse and abortion and date rape and several other things that you mentioned. How do you feel like those challenges that you've lived through have has deepened your faith? And have there been times where that that trauma that you endured 
is something that you've really had to work through and uh, almost ascribe God's real character to him instead of allowing your experiences mm. to describe his character. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think what you're asking is like, um, before we come to Christ, we come, you know, no matter what our past is, mm -hmm. um, even if it was morally beautiful, you know, right. it's still <laughs> tainted. Yes. And and we still have skewed views of, of God's character in some mm -hmm. form. Yes. Um, because he hasn't opened our eyes yet. And so I think you're you're saying, you know, like how did how did you go from that to that? Um, I mean, in my case, I, I was always, you know, before I became a Christian, I called myself more of an agnostic. I wouldn't say I was an atheist, I would say I was an agnostic that I I didn't believe there was a God, but I wasn't convinced there couldn't there be no wasn't. God because how, how do I know, you know, like, I don't know everything about yeah. the, the world. So how can you make that arrogant claim? Like, I know there is no God. How, well, you mustn't have all knowledge to be able to make that statement, you know? Mm -hmm. So at least I had enough sense to know I couldn't make that claim. So I went through life just kind of basically kind of surviving. Um, I always had this odd sense, which, which can only be described as the grace of God that, um, you know, I think what kept me going, what kept me like quote unquote alive was this vague belief. It's going to work out in the end. Hmm. It, it's, and, and it's funny because that's almost like a fair, like, where does that come from? You yeah. know, especially <laughs> before you know God. And I think that was just his grace that literally kept me alive uh, or kept my sanity Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially through all those years of this marriage. And so having that in the background and then coming to know Christ and I'm just like, now I see, oh my, it was really you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I share this story in, um, like, you know, you mentioned, I, I write Bible studies on these broken, messy stories in the Bible. Cause I love them, uh, because I can relate to those stories. Those yeah. are the ones I can relate to in the Bible study. Hagar, you know, Hagar was a you know, she's the one who names God. As a matter of fact, she's the only person who actually gives God a name in the Bible. Many people describe his attributes and so forth, but she actually gives God a name, which is astonishing. But she names God, you know, you're the God who sees me. And um, in that Bible study, as I was writing this Bible study, studying her story, I studied her story for two years. As I was writing this Bible study, God brought a memory to my mind from my past where my former husband uh, had attempted to take my life. And God's like bringing up this memory and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to go there. Like, you know, and, and, and I remember just walking, taking a walk. I was, on, I was sort of like on a little getaway with the Lord. I needed like to take a little bit of a break, but I was doing my writing and so forth. And, you know, every single study I've written, God walks through me through some journey in my past and, mm -hmm. and has me share it in the Bible study and in a healthy way, because he brings healing before I would yeah. dare teach on it. But there was a point when he tried to take my life and God brought that to my memory. And I heard God very clearly. One of those moments when you really know it's God speaking. And he said, do you believe I was there that night? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, um, but at this point I'm a Christian, you know? And so I'm thinking like, well, God, you're everywhere, you know, everything. So yeah, I guess you were there, but it didn't give me comfort. Of course, you know, right. I'm like, because because my emotional side of me is like, yeah, where, where were you? You know, right, right. Um, it's a working out of the faith. Yeah. So he's like, do you believe I was there? And so I said, yeah, you know, I, I believe you were there. But and and he reminded me of what was happening. So he was actually strangling me. So I was at the point where I was beginning to black out. We're we're on the edge of death here. Right. And 
at the last possible second, he let go. And so the next question, God, I love how God just asks questions. You know, he's so gentle. He's so gentle. But he said, so after he asked, you know, if I I believed he was there, he said, why did he let go? You know, speaking of my former husband, like, why did he let go? And I'm thinking like, I think he let go because he got scared, you know, like, like I could really die and he could go to prison and what do you do with the body? And, you know, that kind of thing, you know? And God said, you know, kind of like I could sense, yes, you know, that was part of the reason. And then God asked me, and who do you think scared him? Mm. He just stopped me in my tracks when I realized, and I was like, God, that was you. Mm. And he didn't actually say anything after that because I already knew like, yeah, that was God, you know? And so like, you did see me. And so here I am walking through sort of a lesson in this Bible study that I'm, that I had to live through and be reminded of Mm. um, in a fresh way. And so it's those kinds of experience that looking back, you know, I can see God through in my own life and then being able to write these stories about like how God saw Hagar, how God saw a Tamar, Mm. another Judah's daughter-in-law who disguised herself as a prostitute in order to, to redeem her. Like what a messy story that we could talk all day about that one too. But just seeing how when God steps into our lives, we see everything in fresh light mm. and we come to know him on a deeper, more intimate level. I mean, when you recognize that God saved your life and, and think about this, he saved me at a point when I was a non-believer. If I had died that night, I would have never have known God. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have spent eternity apart from him and God mm. stepped in. Okay. So I'm going to ask a really tough question here. <laughs> um, you realize that it was him who said, you know, I'm the one who did that. Is it still, I don't want to say fair, but true to say God is with people when that doesn't stop, mm. when the life is gone? Yes. Oh, what a, a very powerful question. Um, but I think it's an important one because I know there are people listening who are like, well, wait a minute, you know, God didn't step in for my daughter. Or yeah. God didn't step in for, you know, my, my, my spouse or whatever. Um, I have a friend whose mom committed suicide, you know, so, so very fair question. And um, there's two things. One of the things that I urge um, those who read my studies or listening to my teaching or whatever over and over again, because it's something I have to be reminded of over and over again is when we have something we're wrestling with, we don't have answers. We don't have, understanding. We might even be challenged to, to question God's character. You know, when Jesus was tempted, you know, that the devil wanted him to question his father's goodness. Mm -hmm. He wanted him to question his father's timing, you know, like I'll give you the kingdoms. No, not now. First, I have to go through the cross, you know, and like he questioned, he wanted him to challenge, you know, when he said, you know, take the bread, you're hungry. It's like, can I trust my father's goodness? He will feed me, but not through disobeying or turning away from him um, or using my uh, his divine powers at a time when God was not calling him to do that. Mm-hmm. And so so the devil's constantly wanting us to question God's character, his care, his goodness. And so when we can't answer those questions, why did this happen? What we have to do is cling, 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 and embrace and remind ourselves who God is. We have to. We, because if we don't believe that he's good, that he's loving, he's holy, he's just, 
Um, There's a a purpose in the pain. There's there's redemption that's going to come in the end. Um, We have to believe who God is in order to live this life in this dark world that we live in. Um, So we're not always going to have the specific answers. Why did you allow my child to die? Or why did you allow my husband to leave me? We might not have those specific answers, but if we hold on to who God is, we can have the peace that one day our faith will be made sight, Mm -hmm. that we will understand. Well, and I think too, like there's a difference in questioning God's goodness and then saying like, God, I'm struggling to believe you're good in this. And so will you show me and remind me that, yeah, you are even in this awfulness. Absolutely. God, God can handle our, our anger. He can handle our, even if we have, we can rail against God. It's okay. As long as you're still engaging with God, it's okay. Just don't allow the enemy to pull you from God's presence. Mm. Come to God with your questions, your anger, your whatever it is, he can handle it. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I just sometimes, yeah, I think it's so important to talk about those things too, because every person at some point, I, if you're a follower of Christ, I think asks that question of, did you see me in that moment? And I think it's healthy to ask those questions because if we're curious and we're open and we really want to hear what God says, he will tell us. Amen. And the flip side of that, the the Bible study that wrote on Hagar is actually basically a whole study Mm -hmm. on guiding the reader through some of those difficult journeys from their experiences from their past and seeing how God was there. But this, the flip side of not bringing it to God, not coming to him uh, in your hurt and in your pain um, is when we don't do that, we open the door for the enemy to feed us all kinds of lies and distortions to feed our bitterness and anger to grow ugly roots, you know, um, instead of healthy roots. And, Mm -hmm. and so, so it's dangerous, you know, to not bring it to God. And if you're listening and you're struggling, like, I don't even want to talk to God right now. I'm so angry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. But I would, I would encourage you in love to pray this prayer. Like, God, I don't want to talk to you. Help me Mm want to talk to you. And, and he will answer that prayer because his Holy Spirit, if you belong to him, his Holy Spirit is living within you and he will answer those, those prayers. So even if you don't want to come to him, you can pray that he would change that. Mm-hmm. You can start there. Yeah. I mean, I remember a season where I felt exactly that way. And I just said, Lord, I have no desire to be in your word. Mm-hmm. I don't really desire to chat with you at all. And I remember though asking Also, will you please put people in my life to speak your truth over me when Mm -hmm. I just really don't want it? And dang, was he faithful to do that. And I'm so thankful because I can look back and say, you really didn't leave me when honestly, I wanted to walk away. And you were like, nope, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put these people in that love you well and are not afraid of how you feel right now. Because the last thing I needed was for one more person to say, well, you shouldn't be doubting God. Instead, yeah. it was people who showed up and said, it's okay. Yeah. 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 I'm going to sit with you in this and yes. we're going to kind of walk through this. So yes. Amen. Amen. God uses his family. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when, when we can't pray for ourselves, he will bring prayer warriors. And I love the fact that you, that you asked him for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And your emotions don't have to necessarily line up with your words. As long as you're (laughs) believing that God hears that. That's right. That's enough. That's right. He asks so little from us. So, (laughs) so he'll take that little mustard seed and he will blossom it. He does. He does. Well, let's shift a little bit towards you going to seminary because at some point you did really feel that draw to go to seminary because you know you felt like God had was really leading you in a place of writing and teaching his word and um I love that you know you hold theological degrees yet you also hold a degree and is it criminal justice yes <laughs> yeah and so those things um seem so opposite, right? Yet I have a shirt that says, let's talk theology and true crime because <laughs> oh, it's fun. like, well, it's just right up. <laughs> I have a fascination with that. But yeah, I mean, how do you feel like having all of those, not just degrees, but anytime we spend a lot of time studying something, mm-hmm. it really does help us in all areas of our life, I feel like. Uh, and so how do those kind of collide well, so be, before I became a Christian, you know, when I graduated um, from college, I, I wanted to be a, a judge, actually. Like, I was always had this strong sense of justice, right and wrong. Like, I want to mm-hmm. know the truth. And, I, and a lot of that was just personality. That's how, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's just how God wired me. It's like, I want to get to the truth of it, yeah. you know, and, and make sure that, you know, justice is served and so forth. And so I had this strong sense of truth and justice and right and wrong. Now, of course, apart from God, my sense of right and wrong and truth was distorted uh, because I, you know, I was living in a world system and and swayed by the world's views, but there was still that underlying sense, even though I didn't know the truth for sure, there was a desire for the truth, you know? And so that's sort of, sort of what led me to pursue my degree in criminal justice, because my aim was to uh, finish and then um, take one last year, get law school and then become a judge. But in the middle of that, my husband was growing a construction company. So a whole different field altogether. And, you know, being being married so that my job was to run the office, right? So I'm running all the office stuff. Turns out I was actually pretty good at that kind of thing. But so, you know, I only say that because in other words, like I probably should have got my MBA, but what, so I'm running the office stuff. He's running these big construction jobs. It was a commercial construction company had a lot of crews and all these things. And so at some point that became the prevalent, you know, that was our income. That was, that was my role. That was, you know, my responsibility as the wife and, you know, and so I kind of, you know, made that my, my priority. I finished my degree for at this point, um, because I'm one of those people, if I start something, I'm going to finish it. Like, I don't, I don't like to quit. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm getting my degree, even if I never use it, you know, but God doesn't waste anything. You know, God doesn't waste anything, none of it, even if it was secular, God doesn't waste anything. And so I think that that was just some underlying sense of this right and wrong and justice and so forth. So many years later, I become a Christian. And about the first 10 years of my Christian life, um, God was basically healing me uh, and teaching me, teaching me who he was, who I am. Cause I didn't know who I was and, you know, and, and healing me of a lot of hurts and layers and so forth and preparing me, what, which of course I had no idea what he was preparing me for. And at one point I was at a career crossroads 
I went to my pastor for career advice. You know, I'm like, okay, I've got this, this potential job opportunity that looks, you know, like a really good job, but it's going to be a 60 hour a week kind of a job, you know? And I, I said, I'm doing a little bit of writing, speaking on the side, but I know I can't really make a living on that right away, you know, and I don't know what, what's going on there. And I was doing some consulting. I was doing kind of all these things trying to figure out like what was the next thing. And so he prays silently. He says, I want to pray for a few minutes. So he prays silently. And then he comes up and he says, well, I feel God asking me to ask you just one question. And I'm like, okay. And he says, have you thought about going to seminary? And I'm like, you know, that wasn't even on the list. <laughs> you know, like, like, well, I'm and just... that seems like such a pastor answer. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm no, like no, the no. person that's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, he, what he was saying was, he's like, you're doing this writing, you're doing mm -hmm. this speaking. And I told him uh, like, you know, more details about that in our meeting. Yeah. And he said, it sounds to me like you're almost hesitating to push forward in that because you don't have the confidence of what you're teaching. And mm -hmm. he's absolutely right. Because again, yeah. I'm that person that, right is right, wrong is wrong, truth yeah. is truth. You know, I began to think like, what if I'm not teaching quite right? Like, what if I'm not even mm -hmm. um, intentionally, but unintentionally, you know, miss teaching in some way. Right. And so the thought of going to seminary and being properly trained, because ultimately seminary is about not telling, teaching what the Bible says. You don't need to go to seminary to you can memorize the Bible without going to seminary. You can know the, the devil knew what it said. You know, that's not it. What seminary does is it trains you to correctly learn how to interpret and teach carefully because mm -hmm. there's, there's actual rules, you know, uh, hermeneutics, exegesis, all mm -hmm. these kinds of things that, that help you to, to teach in a way that's, that's careful and honors God's intention for his word. So that really kind of resonated with me. It was sort of, I felt like, wow, that's exactly what I didn't know I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, well, um, God used it. <laughs> he did. He did. And so, um, so, you know, I applied the following year, I got accepted. And then four years later, I graduated from seminary. Um, but I feel like even everything I learned in my criminal justice education was still uh, applicable. You know, I may not be able to go and point back to something specific, but God wastes nothing. You know, I just love God's word. H the beauty in God's word, the truths in God's word, um, are astonishing if we take the time to just dig a little bit. And so I love being able to guide others to rediscover the beauty of who God mm -hmm. is through his word, especially through the messy stories. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's something um, we can talk about a little bit as we begin to close out here is just how you do, you know, pretty much all the studies you've written, you have four that have been published are about the real messy stories of people uh, with real problems. And so will you, you've shared a little bit about the Hagar one. Will you share uh, one of these stories that particularly resonates with you and why so? Yeah, maybe just share a little bit about what really captured you about that story that led you to want to write about it. That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I'll chat about the, the newest one because it's freshest in my mind. So the Rahab, the Bible study on Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho, you know, I spent about a year and a half studying her story as I was writing it. Mm. And um, I never really knew the, the profound theological significance of her story. I had never seen that quite clearly before, because on the surface, you know, we have this incredible story and even the story itself is just fun to, to study, you know, but, but there's more to it. But on the surface, we have a story about a prostitute. She lives in a pagan city. She protects the two Israelite spies that come in and ultimately she and her family are saved from destruction. But 
the fact that her story enters God's story Mm -hmm. just at the moment when the Israelites are camped on the other side of the promised land, they're camped on Mm -hmm. the other side of the Jordan River. The entrance into the promised land was an event that God's people had been waiting for and dreaming of for generations, generations. And here we have, you know, at this right at this moment, they're about to enter the land and God just puts the whole story on hold to tell us about this prostitute. Mm-hmm. Because what looks to be like an interruption to this grand conquest story for the promised land was actually nothing short of God's divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Redemption. Um, Yes, absolute redemption, you know, that he would take the time to tell because he didn't have to. It could have been like the spies went in. They found out the people were afraid. The spies came out. They crossed the Jordan, nothing. But no, we are given an entire chapter, actually more than that, um, to be told about this rate of this prostitute. And here's another surprise about this story about Rahab. There are a number of very key events in uh, the story, the book of Joshua, where her story appears uh, that parallel key events in the book of Revelation, like more than a mm. dozen. These, mm. So th- it's not like one or two. They're very, very significant parallels between these two books of the Bible, not to mention the, you know, the prostitute Rahab and the great prostitute in the book of Revelation. Mm. And it's these kinds of connections that make studying God's word so, so incredibly fascinating to see how all of the Bible is interconnected. I mean, Rahab's story foreshadows events she never could have imagined. She's she's mentioned in the the Hebrews Hall of Faith. God's word is so interconnected. You know, from the first page yes. of Genesis to the last page of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, God's working out His plan of salvation. And what is that plan? To bring His beloved bride, who was previously a prostitute, mm-hmm. into His kingdom to become the bride of Christ. Rahab's story is our story. It's mm-hmm. about us. We're the prostitute. Who becomes mm-hmm. the bride? It's it's astounding how God's word is so relevant to us today. Yeah. Um, well, and reading reading the word, I feel like people listening probably get so tired of me saying this, but when you begin to see the word of God as one full story that we're still that we are still a part of, it's really incredible because you can start tracing so many themes from Genesis all the way through Revelation and even till now whether that be kingship or redemption or prostitute. I mean, so many things, not just themes as much as even things like prostitution, like where does that come in and how do we fit into that? It is fascinating. Um, And so I appreciate that you bring that out. And I know that that is something that you're passionate about, like women or even men who, what would it be like to come to the word of God and not be bored? (sighs) You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) And it's like, oh, it's possible. It is possible. Yeah. No, I love that you brought that up. You know, I have, I can't tell you how many times I have people come to me and say, you know, I have read that story so many times and you have just brought it to life. Now, it's not me. I'm serving as a guide. Um, God's word is alive, but what, what, a, what an incredible privilege to be able to, to write these studies in a way that enables readers to truly engage with God's word almost in a fresh way, because they're beginning to see how it's all interconnected. Because here, you know, here's the thing in our fast paced, you know, we live in a fast paced, instant results, frenzied way of life. 
And many Christians have come to lean on a Bible verse um, or a, oh, or a word as, as nourishment to get them through the day. But the Bible was not written to be understood in verses, no. except maybe the story. book of Proverbs. But it is story. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, I think this is why so many Christians are feeling empty. Yeah. They're longing for deeper intimacy with God and engagement with their word, with his word, but they don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, stories like, you know, Rahab's story or one of the others is a perfect place to rediscover how all the Bible is interconnected. I never write one of my studies. Like, for example, Rahab is appears in Joshua chapter two. I don't begin the Bible study in Joshua chapter two mm-hmm. because first we need some context. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. we and every one of my studies it relates to some aspect of the, you know, presents some aspect of the Bible as a whole mm-hmm. to give us context. And that's how, what makes the story so rich is we begin to see, oh, I never saw that before. Oh, I didn't know how that was all connected. Wow, that really speaks to me. Yes. And it just brings God's word, helps us to see the life in his word. Because even in English, you know, the, our Bibles, you know, we can miss some things. So in the studies, I'll do some Hebrew word, and Greek studies. word studies. Yes, because it yeah. brings richness. And it's not about the geeking out and nerding out. I mean, yes, I will call myself a Bible nerd. I, know. I love all this <laughs> stuff, you know, but I've done, you know, a lot of the, the digging part. And, and I present it in a way where readers can still feel like you are on that journey of rediscovery. Mm-hmm. I don't just spoon feed. That's no fun to me and no fun to most people. And now if you're a baby, baby Christian, you know, I get that. And that's why I write my Bible studies. They all have four levels that readers Mm -hmm. can choose from. Like, hey, if you just want to do a lightweight, you know, run through it, you're going to love it. But if you want to go deeper, you can choose up to four levels um, to go deep into God's word using the same book, which is great for group studies because not everybody has the same Mm. time commitment or whatever, you know, so it works for everyone. But the Bible wasn't written to be understood in verses. A Rahab story is an example, foreshadows events she never ever could have imagined. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the entire Bible, uh, is a picture of God wooing us, you know, and being able to just engage with God's word, you know, discover structural patterns in the text, doing a couple word studies, as you said, um, and then looking at the cultural background, yeah. you know, all of these things are weaved in to they're in God's word and then developed in a, in, in the Bible studies, um, because it helps you to be able to examine how the passage uh, fits into the Bible as a whole. Yeah. And um, it's never too late to begin. And you can always say, I don't know. Help. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah. I'm like, it's never too late to begin. Don't think you're behind. Just start. That's right. You know, That's so. Right. Yes. Well, Shadia, where can um, listeners find your work? Oh, uh, thank you for asking. So I always joke, like, um, because my name is very difficult to remember, spell, pronounce, all the things. <laughs> um, so it, my website is shadiaharishi.com. But if you simply type into your browser, rahabbiblestudy.com or hagarbiblestudy.com or some of the others I've written, it'll get you right to the website. So awesome. you just go, yeah, the nice and nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. And I'll make yeah. sure that I put those links and things in the show notes. But thank you Fantastic. so much for sharing your story and just um, you know, being an example of how God can and does use any and all circumstances. When he wants to draw someone to himself, he will he will do it. So thank he will you. do it. He will do it. Thank you so much. Don't forget to support Grace Enough. You can share the episode, purchase books from the affiliate links listed in the show notes, or make a donation at buymeacoffee.com. 
com slash grace enough. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.